Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. What were the worst wrestling moments of 2019? I am Luca, and this is Pete Quinnell, King Chopper Whopper. And, and we're going to go through what we think are the collectively worst moments in wrestling in 2019. We're not talking about storylines, we're not talking about matches, just talking about moments. Mm, yeah, so it, it, it's. A specific thing that we can define. This one thing was very, very bad. Because, like, there's a lot of things we could say that are bad in general in 2019. Like, Rusev, Lana, Lashley, you could yeah. say, was one Shane of the... Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon, yeah. It was, yeah. like, one of the worst things. But really, it's those are storylines or matches <laughs> or characters. We're looking for worst moments. moments. Yes. So, let's kick off this list with number 10. Uh, this was definitely Ollie Davis's. This is a list that we've put together in the office. We actually like, had a big half-hour meeting mm -hmm. about this and be like, right, what were the worst moments of the year? <laughs> we'll type them all down. And then we're like, okay, well, that was worse than that one. Let's move this mm -hmm. up. And I feel this is definitely an Ollie Davis entry onto this list. Absolutely. It's the reveal of fake Rowan. <laughs> <laughs> and it was awful. It was dreadful because the story was that Roman Reigns had been being attacked and they, uh, Buddy Murphy said that it was Rowan that was the attacker. So then Brian and Rowan said, no, it wasn't us. It was this guy. And they revealed it. And it's a guy that looked like <laughs> Rowan. <laughs> and then it, it panned up to Roman Reigns who was there. And he just went, huh? And then it pans back to these two. And they both go, <laughs> <laughs> and it was never mentioned again. No, and it that and that was it was awful. It was dreadful in a story that was starting to build intrigue. Started off a bit weird, but then some people started to get into it. This just derailed it straight again. The, it was great. The Roman Reigns attacker storyline is the bizarrest story of 2019. <laughs> it, it changed on a weekly basis. Yeah. Samoa Joe was involved with mm -hmm. it at one point. Yeah. And it just 
felt like it kept going off the rails. Mm-hmm. And they'd be like, what are we going to do this week? Uh, we're going to do this. And then what are we going to do? Uh, it's Buddy Murphy. And then we'll do... <laughs> yeah. Buddy Murphy pinned Daniel Bryan in all of this as oh well. Oh, my God, he did, didn't he? And then, But this, for me, was the creme de la creme of it, mm-hmm. which was, yeah, we're going to do the reveal of who really attacked Roman Reigns. <laughs> and they reveal it to be fake Rowan. Fake Rowan. And then the... <laughs> sort of breathing heavily and then like the confusion on everyone's <laughs> face Daniel Bryan was like what is going on yeah what have I got myself into and then it, it was, was bonkers. never mentioned again yeah it, it, it doesn't make any sense although it did uh give birth to probably the greatest meme of the year which is that scene just with the curb your enthu- enthusiasm theme played over the top <laughs> because it is great <laughs> Right, at number nine, uh, this took place at the New Japan Ring of Honor G1 Supercard show at Madison Square Garden. Mm. A show that was like a a 50-50 show. All the really good stuff came from New Japan. (laughs) And all the very bad stuff came from Ring of Honor. With the exception of their their ROH title triple threat Mm -hmm. main event. That was was brilliant. Mm -hmm. Really, really good stuff. But, like, you know, let's not forget Mega Ran. (laughs) (laughs) Let's never forget Mega Ran. And one of the moments on that show, which is kind of been really forgotten this year, mm. was during the Four Corners uh, tag match that they were having, where all of a sudden, Enzo and Big Kaz, or Enzo and Kaz XL, Kazxel. attacked at ringside. Mm-hmm. Like, they started, like, jumping the, like, the Tongans, and, and, like, people just started getting involved, and it was really all over the show. And, and they shot it. As if it was an unplanned... If it was a shoot. As if it was a shoot. They, they, you saw like Bully Ray coming down, but then they panned to the, they had like a hard cut to the commentators who were just like, and we're going to try and regain some order here. But you could see in the back of the shot that they were still kind of going at it at ringside and they never really acknowledged them. So it was like, is it a work? Is it a shoot? And it was not great. And why... The reason why this has ended up on our list is because there were a lot of people in this match who were very unhappy about this, particularly as I made reference to the Gorillas of Destiny, because I don't think they were told ahead of time that this was going to be happening, Mm -hmm. because most likely they wouldn't have worked with Enzo and Cass, because they'd have got a bit of a bad reputation, particularly around this period of time. And it was a decision that was made by ROH management. New Japan didn't really want to do it, but Mm -hmm. ROH did. And from what I can gather as well, if I remember the reports, was... It was all top brass ROH management wanted to do it, but none of the creative team wanted to do it. So they were sort of like forced to mm-hmm. do this angle. And it was didn't go anywhere. No, I, I think they, they again, if I'm remembering reports correctly, they did it to try and gauge the reaction. And the reaction was very, very negative. Very they poor. were like, ah, oh, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> We won't it, do that anymore. Yes, yeah, so they didn't do any more business with them. They didn't appear at any TV show, tapings or anything like that. So yeah, it was... Um, it was a bit of a misfire on a show that had quite a few misfires. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget Mega Ran. Let's not forget Mega Ran. Poor old Mega Ran. He's <laughs> probably a really nice guy. <laughs> probably like a really, really lovely bloke. But he performed at Madison Square Garden and everyone was like, F Mega Ran! Boo! <laughs> boo this man! Right, well, speaking of boo this man, this for me, <laughs> this should be higher on the list. If, it, if I had my way, this would be higher on the list. Number eight. There's an episode of Raw mm. where the main event was Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. Remember that partnership? It was a partnership that quietly ended. Mm-hmm. Versus Roman Reigns and Gary the Goat <laughs> Garbutt. If you listen to this, you'd be like, who the hell's Gary the Who's Goat? Who's that? Gary the Goat Garbutt 
was a janitor that, like an old janitor that uh, Drew and Shane had hired backstage. They paid him $5,000 to be Roman Reigns' tag partner because mm -hmm. we'll wear heels. And now, Roman, you've got to tag with an old man. <laughs> what heels? Mm -hmm. And then we get to the match. And Gary the Goat Galbert comes down in his janitor overalls and this wrestling mask, mm -hmm. like a Lucha Libre mask. And in through all of this action, he gets tagged in. And so the ref, uh, you know, the commentators are like, oh, no, this is an old man. He's going to be tagged in. And like Drew throws him into the ring and he tags in Shane. And Shane's sort of like, <laughs> I'm Shane. Ba -ba 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 -ba. And then all of a sudden, Gary starts making a comeback. Gary. A Which was yeah. amazing, by the way. And Gary, he slips a couple of times, but I think he's, he's doing it in dress shoes. So, like, you know, <laughs> can't really him, blame him. Give him some credit. You know, he's trying to do a springboard when slacks. Like, you know, <laughs> Kane wasn't doing that when he was corporate <laughs> Kane. You know what I mean? So, you know, he's he's doing his best way he can. And it's a really fun little comeback. The crowd are mega into this as well because it's like, wow, yeah, this is like. This is what you do. The heels get their comeuppance because they've been outsmarted by the baby faces. Mm -hmm. And then Drew Claymore's him in the face and Shane McMahon pins him. <laughs> which, which, again, I think would have been okay if they had just been like, if... Okay, actually, you know what? Get on to the next bit and I will do my whole rant afterwards. Because I will disagree. Because... <laughs> As soon as Drew pinned him, he was like, well, this segment's completely fallen off the rails. This is, this is failed, isn't it? You had a really good idea for a moment there, and then mm -hmm. you sort of you, you sat on it. Yeah. And so, like, so Gary lost the match. Yes. And then Roman Reigns gets in, and he clears house. And they then do the reveal, as Drew and Shane are walking up the ramp, that it was Cedric Alexander all <laughs> along. And Cedric's there bleeding from the mouth because he got claymored in the face. And he looks at Roman and says, ha, we got him. <laughs> you lost. <laughs> you didn't get anyone. You lost. Absolute div. <laughs> and he's standing there going like, yuck, yuck. <laughs> waka, waka. <laughs> the good guys win. It's like, no, the good guys lost. The baddies won. <laughs> And it was just the weirdest reveal. Like, everything was there in place for this to work. Gary just needed to pin Shane McMahon yeah. to be like, oh, my God, what the hell is this about? And then you do the reveal where it's like, waka waka, I'm yeah. actually a wrestler. Yeah, yeah. But he lost. He lost. He got claymored in the face and got pinned from one move and then acted like he won. It was the dumbest ending to this show. I'm talking about Raw, not this show. It was the dumbest ending to an episode of Raw that's happened this year. And I, we re, I rewatched it. Mm. Well, like the pair of us rewatched it before we started to record this. And I was just reminded all over again, how did you book this? <laughs> how did you get to this point where you're like, and he loses and then acts like he wins? <laughs> he loses and then celebrates. <laughs> it's literally that. I think it would have been okay if you'd have had the comeback... He does the Claymore, Shane pins him, and then he's upset afterwards. Or Roman is upset afterwards because he's like, you cost me the match by being an idiot and tagging in and doing your whole thing. You should have just tagged me straight back in because I know I can win. Or Cedric is upset because he's not proved himself the way he wanted to or something. Just don't have him celebrate afterwards. It's the best. Really? I know this is on the worst list, but... In hindsight, it's hilarious. It's so funny. It's so funny. Yeah. 
Right, well, I'm going to let you do number seven oh, because God. this is your show now, mate. Yeah, it is. Your, so... your sports-orientated <laughs> show. <laughs> the Fox uh, have paid billions for. Oh, God. So at number seven, in this never-ending feud between King Corbin and Roman Reigns, there's a certain episode of SmackDown, and there's been some pretty bad moments in this feud anyway. The one we've gone for for this one was one particular promo where Baron Corbin, who's not known for great promos, I think he himself, yeah, yeah, think he's he a, himself, he's a great promo. is a great promo. He's just given bad material. His promos are terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's given bad material to work with. Absolutely. Even the greatest comedian can't make every joke work. Yeah, absolutely. This is another King Corbin promo. He goes on for a long time. He remixes Roman Reigns' theme to include Chihuahua barks. God. So for every durden, durden, it's a Chihuahua bark. I'm in my 30s. Yeah, yeah. And then instead of Roman Reigns coming out to the ring, it's someone who's in a dog mascot. Do you get it? Because he's the big dog. This is... It's one of those moments. I don't. I'm, I'm not watching SmackDown live anymore, mm. and I'm not. Re- I'm not watching it the day after either because it's a Saturday. And in fact, I'm not watching it at all. <laughs> no, no. I, eventually, I get around to watching it, but I, I've never really been in a rush to watch SmackDown since it moved to Fox. Mm-hmm. So I'm on Twitter. You know, you know, you scroll through, or you read, a, you know, the Wrestling Observer. What happens? Yeah, you go to the, the websites and stuff and find out what happened. And when I saw these images. I was like, oh, God, I'm a grown man. <laughs> Why am I watching this? I'm a grown this? man. I'm in my mid-30s watching this other grown man yucking it up with his grown men friends mm-hmm. at a dog mascot to get heel heat. Yes. And the worst part about this is there's a really old man backstage <laughs> laughing his tits off. Absolutely. Yeah. Audience are one. And, this is and audience are one. And that one, I'm sure, absolutely loved this segment. Yeah. And later on in the show, the dog mascot's still with Corbin in a backstage segment, and then next week, never seen again. No. <laughs> what what and, was the point? And I really do... This is worse than the dog food bit. Yeah. Like, the dog food thing was like, oh, guys, come on. Like, we're grown now. Yeah. Let's, let's stop it. But I think this is worse than the dog food. Yeah, because I think with the dog food, at least it's, you know, a little bit humiliating. Yeah. There, there is some somewhat, it's not like a physically damaging thing, but it's like, you're being a dick by p- putting these this dog food on me. Whereas this one is like, is that supposed to insult him? Yeah. Is it supposed to make Corbin feel better? What's the point? Yeah, because it, it. it doesn't get any heel heat on Corbin. No. Because it's just a... Or any baby face a, heat on Roman. No, it's just a person in a dog <laughs> costume. What's oh. the... What What does it do? I don't know. Well, a more serious one uh, mm. that I think... And this, for me, is one of the, the worst moments of the year. And, you know, you could argue that it was a mistake. You know, it was mm-hmm. an accident. But you shouldn't have set this up in the first place to be the way that it went down. Uh, and it's um, it's the, the Cody Rhodes chair shot heard around the world, mm-hmm. which was... When Sean Spears came down at um, Fighter Fest after the ta- uh, the match he had with Darby Allen, and he wallops him in the head as hard as he can, and the report is Tony Khan said afterwards it was a gimmick chair 
Like it was supposed to be a gimmick chair. Cody's head was eventually just like go through it. it wasn't supposed to really damage him. So he turned his head. But for whatever reason, it went nipples north and he wallops him with this chair as hard as he can. And Cody bleeds a gusher. He just crumples to the floor. Bleeding a gusher. Concussion city. And, you know, it got Sean Spears the heel heat. But I think it's the worst kind of heel heat because I Mm -hmm. think this is a reckless idiotic thing to have done in 2019 absolutely uh i mean it it might have been acceptable back in the day but we know a lot better now about some of the effects that can happen when you do stuff like this so even if it was a gimmicked chair it's still a very dangerous spot to do and guess what it backfired yeah and that was a very serious spot that could have been even worse it was just like it's there was no need for it either. Mm. Like I remember when me and Laurie did our review of this show and the pair of us were like, it was so unnecessary to do it the way they did it. Mm. You could have got the same heel heat and the chairman gimmick for Sean Spears with a different kind of chair attack. Mm-hmm. But to do this and it was a proper like balls Mahoney reaching back, swinging as hard as he can. And, like, I know, you know, there will be some people watching this that will be like, ah, snowflakes, SJWs, or whatever it is, yeah. you know, whatever terms you like to use on the internet. You just, you know, you, it was a hardcore spot. We used to do hardcore spots back in the time. It's, I always remember Mick Foley's story that he tells, which is that at one point he was driving home after a show in New York, and he drove past his house because he forgot where he lived. Yeah. Because Mick Foley, over the years, took a lot of these sort of shots to the heads, and... It has a long-term effect. We're living in a post-Benoit world now. Mm-hmm. We should not be doing unprotected chair shots, even with gimmick chairs. I thought it was a, a really, really bad move. Yeah, it was not great. No. Speaking of not great... Oh, I'll let you take this one. Oh, man. So, at number five, this one is a match. However, it's more of a moment, because this one took place in Saudi Arabia... Where the real feel was, was it was very hot in Saudi Arabia. The real feel was old enough to kill two old dudes. <laughs> this is The Undertaker versus Goldberg, which is arguably the worst match of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we argued about this in the office. Mm. I would have put this lower down the list because, as housemate Simon and I argued, who thought this was going to be good? I would argue I thought it could have been okay if it lasted about a minute. If they did a very quick spot, 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 person wins. Great. They did do that. They tried to do that. Yeah, they tried. Yeah, yeah. It went about four minutes too long, which in the real feel is just, you know. It's like an extra 20 minutes. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, Uh, this was a really, really bad, bad moment. And it resulted in injuries for both of them, I believe. Goldberg got a bloody head and a concussion. There was botched tombstones. And yeah, he wouldn't go up for the choke slam. He couldn't yeah, go up for the couldn't choke go up slam. for the choke slam. It was hard to watch, and it was just something where you just go, just please end this match now. Yeah. One because for their own safety, but also because it's just a bad match as well. I honestly didn't think there could be anything worse than DX versus the Brothers of Destruction mm. at Crown Jewel last November. But Undertaker Goldberg managed to do so with Super Showdown. It was, uh, oh man, an ugly, ugly match. Yeah. In fact, really, the only positive that has come out of this is that Matt Riddle has found a Twitter character. 
Like, he's found a new Twitter character for himself, and he can do the Broberg stuff mm-hmm. uh, on, you know, the, the house shows and stuff, and he's not on pay-per-views. And so that's been good. But it was like, you know, Goldberg's not happy with the match. Taker wasn't happy with the match. I don't think anyone in the crowd was happy with the match. It was an embarrassing sight to see. Exactly, yeah. Uh, which makes it in the top five for yeah. worst of the year because it was not great. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Well, in at number four, um, we didn't want to just do NXT call-ups, comma, general. General. Because, yeah. like, you know, as we all know, it's, it's become a, a yearly tradition. We do a load of NXT call-ups and none of them do anything. Yeah. Andrade still isn't doing anything. He's been there for t- two years now at this point. But there was an episode of Raw, which was shortly after the on-their-way-to-WWE mm-hmm. call-ups of NXT talent which was, you know, off the back of the "We're sorry, mm-hmm. sorry" promo that the, the the McMahon's cuts, where they were like, "We're sorry, our show's bad. Sorry, <laughs> you're the authority now." Yeah, it was the show in which they opened up and effectively said, "We're sorry again. The show's yep. still not good. Here's four NXT call-ups." Yes, 
and they had a graphic on screen that said, tonight we were going to get the debuts of Tommaso Ciampa, NXT champion Tommaso Ciampa, North American champion Johnny Gargano, Alistair Black and Ricochet. Yep. Out the blue. Mm-hmm. This was apparently a very, very last-minute decision. They were like, just call them up. Vince, yeah. Vince called Triple H. The, the story goes, Vince called Triple H and said, give me your four top talent. Yeah. We need to put those four on now. And they just came out, and it was in front of a bad crowd that had no... There were, and, and, you know, I know people will blame the crowd for this, but they were given no reason to be excited about these four lads, these four random lads. Mm-hmm. So it just instantly flattened all four of them out. Yep. Like, legit should be top talent guys. Flatten them all out. But worse for me, it was damaging to what they were doing on NXT. So damaging. Not only because... Champa was a face on the main roster when he was a heel on NXT. Mega heel. Mega heel, the top heel on NXT. He teamed with Johnny Gargano on the main roster, and they were feuding in NXT yeah. after their long, long storied rivalry. And they just threw it all in the can because they wanted to do a cheap ratings bump for the main roster. Which didn't work. Which didn't work. And... The instant that graphic came up with the four of them on it, and I saw Champa was smiling oh, in it, God. I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah, it was bad. They've they've ruined this. They've ruined this from the get go. And you know, Ollie and I took a lot of heat from the uh, the Rust Talk Live episode we did mm-hmm. after that uh, that episode aired. Um, we took a lot of heat because we said this is bad and mm-hmm. like, this is really really bad. And everyone said, "You're being too negative. You're not giving this a chance." And I, I don't want to be the hate to say I told you so kind of guys and the kind of channel, but everything that we said was going to happen did happen. They instantly all got flattened out. Champa got injured, yeah, which then completely ruined the end storyline, the end point they had, the end game for Gargano Champa. And Alistair Black and Ricochet just became a random tag team, yeah, which led to nothing. Led to a WrestleMania match. And then and they, then they stopped tagging. They stopped tagging and went off in different directions. Ricochet has had some stuff to do, but he's now just become this cartoon superheroes are real. Mm-hmm. And Alistair Black's been stuck in a cupboard for months. Yeah, I don't know. Like it, neither of them got anything to do because, and it all stems from this one episode where you debuted them as nothing. You debuted them as a bunch of mid carders, mm-hmm. and they just got treated like a bunch of mid carders from there on. Like all the damaging stuff in NXT, I think this all it really damaged the four of them. Yeah, it, it really, really did. I, I think. I think the biggest thing for me is what they ruined on NXT because having not having the culmination to Gargano and Champa's feud is like having the entirety of the MCU without Endgame. Yeah, it, completely. It's like You're you, absolutely right. You don't have the end point. Yeah, and we'll never get that now because they decided to call the four of them up in a panic move. In a panic move, yeah. and it. it it really frustrates me, honestly. Yeah, I think it's really deserving to be this high up on the list. And it is like in esteemed company as well when we mm. get into our top three. Oh, I, I really do think that, you know, it's one of those shows that people will look back on as this year comes to a close and be like, yeah, actually, do you know what? That was bad. It mm-hmm. was damaging. Yeah. Much like... <sighs> I'm almost tempted to switch these two around. You know, we've got number three and number two. I'm almost tempted to switch them around because this one really is bad. Let, let's stick with the list we've got. Let's stick with it. But this was bad. This is v- very close between two and three, by the way. It is really, really close. It's the end of Kofi Mania. <sighs> a uh, 
So Kofi Mania caught fire in February when Mustafa Ali got injured mm -hmm. and they needed a replacement for the uh, Elimination Chamber. And so they held this gauntlet match where New Day said, we're putting Kofi Kingston in. And I remember at the time, me and Ollie were like, oh, I kind of wish it was Xavier Woods mm -hmm. because at the time, we didn't see that this was going to blow up into this almost like yes mania style, mm -hmm. like, react, like baby face reaction for Kofi. So in hindsight, we were way wrong. And I'm so glad it was Kofi. So Kofi gets put into this match and accidentally gets over. Yeah. To a huge, huge degree. Yeah. Kofi Mania like blows up. In the course of one match as yep. well. Just the, the story they night. told in that match. Because it seemed like, unless I'm horribly mistaken, I seem to remember at the time they were saying they literally did the Mustafa Ali story they were going to do, but they just put Kofi in instead for that one match. Yes. That was what they wanted exactly. to do. Exactly, yeah. But that story was so good, and Kofi got so over and built off his entire 11-year career up to that point that he became the biggest thing in the company in the course of one match. It was Oh, it was incredible. Yeah. Like, absolutely incredible. Like, in terms of the storytelling that, that Kofi did throughout that match, mm -hmm. it was masterful stuff. It was. And he then got... like, And it was only supposed to be for that Elimination Chamber deal. Yep. Like, they would do the Elimination Chamber, and then they would go back to their original plan, which was Brian versus Owens. That's what they were going to do at WrestleMania, was Brian versus Owens. Owens was going to come back as the big baby face. That all fell apart because Kofi got over. Mm -hmm. And credit to WWE... They went with momentum. Yep. They realized they had something here, and they were like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do Kofi Mania running into WrestleMania, and he's going to win the WWE Championship, and it's going to be brilliant, and it's going to be one of the best moments of the year. And it was. It was. Despite some of their best efforts, because they kept getting the McMahons involved, mm -hmm. McMahon was all over the build to WrestleMania. Oh, God. We'll get to them in no a second. No authority figures. No, well, yeah, quite. <laughs> mm. um, it was weird, the authority. Yeah. Um, and so WrestleMania comes, he wins the title. Yes, brilliant. Great. And it, and it really was. Do you know what? It, it, was, it was amazing. It was. It was probably the best uh, moment of that night and probably one of the best moments of the year yeah, was Kofi 100%. winning that title. Xavier Woods and Biggie holding him up. Oh. Xavier Woods, like, ugly crying over it. Oh it was amazing. God. I've, I've re-watched that moment. And when the New Day jump into the ring and celebrate with him, and the pair of them are just like bawling their eyes out, like it brings me to tears. Like yeah. it is, it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. So how do they follow up with that? How can you end something that momentous? Well, I mean, I think the end of Kofi Mania is like effectively, the end of Kofi Mania began when it started. Because yes. like as soon as he won the title, he was instantly booked like a mid-carder. Mm -hmm. It was, you're facing... Uh, I recently healed Kevin Owens, which has undermined the babyface turn, and we're just going to turn him babyface again very soon. Mm -hmm. It's against Dolph Ziggler, who they, they seemingly feuded for months and months. They on end, did, yeah. and no one ever bought into his challenges. The only time they bought into a challenger was Randy Orton. Yep, but even then, they booked the feud out of order, so it never really got over to the point it should have done. And then we get to the actual conclusion of this, which is. Brock Lesnar beats him in eight seconds. Yeah. Which I think Lesnar should have won that match. Yep. No, I agree. I, I think the I, Kofi, I, Kofi Mania had come to an end. Totally. It's the way it ended. In eight seconds, you don't give Kofi any offense in the match. It is he runs at Lesnar. Lesnar picks him up, hits an F5 and wins. I couldn't believe it. I could. <laughs> well, but yeah. You know, really. Like when they, uh, when, uh, it's one of those things where he feels like, yeah, 
What, would I, what did I expect? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. more for me. Yeah, for thinking that we might get something here. Exactly. Even if, and I think this is something that absolutely could have been done, and I don't see a reason why they couldn't do it, have Kofi kick out a 1F5. Yeah. That is it. That that is a bare minimum what you could give people. Everyone else bloody does. Exactly. Have him kick out a 1F5, because at the very least, it still wouldn't have been great, but we're not insulted to the point of having ever believed in Kofi Kingston as as a main event talent. And that's it. And like it was, it really did feel like more for us, for, more for us for getting invested. Yeah. Because we, you know, we made lots of references to the fact, like in the builds to pay per views, you know, it's best of both worlds. So it's Raw and SmackDown. Kofi always felt like fourth or fifth most important thing. He was always behind Roman Reigns' storylines. He was always behind something else with Seth. He was just further and further. He was a mid-card guy. Mm-hmm. It was the Jack Swagger run with the belt. It was Daniel Bryan's first run. It was Christian's run. It was. You are a Punk's first run. It's like, yeah, you're the champion, but you're not really. Yeah. You're not the main event of this show. Yeah. You're, we, we've just handed you this fake belt and this fake title. Like, and, and to end it then to be like, yeah, it's all about Brock now. And for Kofi to Thanos away and for Cain Velasquez to make his debut. Like all of that, it was all for Cain Velasquez to have one match in Saudi Arabia where he taps out in a couple of minutes. To have a segment where Kofi is playing fifth wheel in a match where he walked in as the champion, I think is insane. Insane. Because you've got Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar, Cain Velasquez, and Rey Mysterio that were all more important than Kofi in that entire segment. I think it's nuts to have the best moment of the year be almost related to one of the worst moments of the year. An absolute embarrassment. Totally. An absolute embarrassment. A shocking. It and it was, and he deserved so much better. Yeah, absolutely. I, if, if the, I'd love to meet Kofi because it would be the first thing I'd tell him. Mm-hmm. You deserved much better than you got. Yeah. You deserved an actual main event run. You deserved actual challenges. You deserved a proper reign because mm. you didn't get a proper reign and your, the ending was rubbish because worse still... It's never been followed up on. No. As soon as he lost, it's back down to the mid card with you, my friend. Back down to the lower mid card. Don't you? You're not even getting a, a sniff at this title now, because you never were a main eventer. The following week, he was doing a Susan G. Komen promo with the rest of the New Day yep. to the crowd and didn't mention anything about losing the WWE Championship. Back in the tag picture, it's where you belong, kid. Yeah. It's a real, real shame. Awful. Speaking of uh, derailing. And this is uh, this is another uh, big one for Oliver Davis. Mm, totally. Um, he fought very, very hard for this to get hot, pushed high up the list. And I can see why, because this Absolutely. is this is a career, not killing moments, but it's a momentum killing moment. Oh, yeah. It's Becky Lynch apologizing to the McMahons. Yep. So in the lead up to WrestleMania, and they, God, they balls this story up left, right, and center. <laughs> it was all about returns and suspensions and fines and bloody bloody blah it's charlotte flair it's <laughs> all this but the worst bit for me is when stephanie mcmahon and triple h demanded that becky lynch apologize yeah and becky was like i'm not going to apologize because you're just going to screw me out of something mm-hmm. and they pleaded with her and like we're not going to screw you out of it we just want an apology and so she apologized. And they and, went And that was it. And they went, Cool, thanks. Instantly undermines her. Because you know who's in control? It's the McMahon. It's yeah. not you. 
It's not you, main event star Becky Lynch. You're not in control of anything. You're not a star. We're the stars. Apologize to us, and we get our way. It's the, and then we leave. It's the anti-authority figure bowing to authority. What like, they think? It is backwards. It's totally backwards. Because Becky Lynch, since Survivor Series, was the hottest thing in the company. And they built her, and, and she won the Royal Rumble, and people absolutely adored her from then on. Even though she lost to Asuka on the show, she then went to r- win the Royal Rumble later on, and people were so into her. And then it built and built and built, and people were saying, WrestleMania main event, WrestleMania main event, WrestleMania main event, she's going to do it, she's going to win the title there, it's going to be great. And then she apologized to the McMahons, and now people are like, should she main event now? Yeah, it's... It- it really did derail all that momentum that you were just talking about. Really good momentum yeah. as well. And it just felt like this company was doing their darndest to upset the apple cart and like and just like throw everything out there. Like we didn't need Charlotte Flair. Yeah. Like we didn't need the big McMahon reveal of Charlotte Flair. We didn't need Becky and suspensions. We didn't need Becky apologizing to the McMahons. And it never built to anything. No. It didn't matter a jot. It was just so the McMahons could have the top babyface of the company apologize to them on national TV to show that they're in control. And what did it what did it achieve? What did it achieve Nothing. other than make her look rubbish? Steve Austin never would have apologized. No, never. Vince McMahon would have asked time and time again for Stone Cold Steve Austin to come down, you're going to apologize to me, Mr. Austin. I will not be treated this way. I am Mr. McMahon. You know, it's any other. And then Austin would come down, I don't give a rat's ass. Middle finger, stunner. Crowd goes bonkers because like, yes, anti-authority figure is being anti-authority. Exactly. But as you brilliantly said, the anti-authority figure in this instance bowed down to authority. Yeah, and it, it makes, it's the opposite of what her character is and has been in the storyline and it wasn't even like it was a clever, oh, yeah, I'm sorry for you being stupid or anything yeah. like that. It was just like, you yeah, know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm really wh- sorry. Why? <laughs> why? Oh, I don't get it. Don't no, get it. It was a bad, bad, bad call. Yeah. And I agree with Ollie Davis that it should be high on this list. However, there's well, one thing that's worse than that. Yep. It is our number one worst moment of the year. Chopper Pete Quinnell, well, what have we got? Laurie and I did the live reactions for Hell in a Cell this year. <laughs> oh my god so this was tell me a story Pete okay. so straight after Wrestlemania some video packages started playing for a brand new character which eventually got revealed to be The Fiend Bray Wyatt's new character which was awesome so cool the video packages and the Firefly Funhouse segments were amazing they were the thing that people were looking forward to every single week and I know some people were quite worried about how he'd wrestle and then he debuted at SummerSlam against Finn Balor, and it was awesome. It is the best character reintroduction I've ever seen. Ever. It was from the from WrestleMania, uh, the Raw and SmackDown after WrestleMania, through to SummerSlam, is perfect. Yeah. It is note perfect. It's flawless. Yeah. Absolutely flawless stuff. Perfect storytelling, capped off with a perfectly told match at SummerSlam, which just furthered Bray Wyatt being the most popular thing in the company. Coolest entrance you've ever seen. It was badass. And for once, w- and again, credit to WWE, they said, this thing's really hot, let's push him to the moon. Yeah, it's he's selling a ton of merchandise. Mm-hmm. Let's ride this momentum. Let's do it. 
So, what's the biggest thing they could do after that? How about a Universal Championship match against Seth Rollins inside Hell in a Cell? Wow, that's awesome. Love to see The Fiend inside a Hell in a Cell match. And imagine if he wins the Universal Championship in his second match back. That would be insane, wouldn't it? Absolutely. It's almost too insane, people. Almost too good to be true. Because what we got at the main event of the show was a match that started off so well. The entrances were great. And it started off with Seth Rollins getting a kendo stick and Bray Wyatt no-selling it. and Red lights. The red lights were whatever. But... <laughs> It added something to the match. It felt different. It felt big time, having the lights, I thought. For this one match, anyway. (laughs) And then it kind of went a bit off the rails, because Bray Wyatt got a big oversized mallet and tried to pierce him him with it. (laughs) Sure. But then Seth Rollins did a stump. And then he did another stump. And another stump. And then The Fiend kicked out at one and then Seth Rollins delivered like nine more stomps to him. And then he hit him in the in the face with a chair. And then he got a ladder. And then he got a toolbox and put that on top of him. No DQs at this point because it's a Hell in a Cell match. Why would you ever have a DQ in a Hell in a Cell match? And then Seth Rollins gets a sledgehammer. Or as some people might call it, a small mallet. <laughs> yeah. Smaller than the one that Bray Wyatt had used earlier. And then he goes to hit the pile of ladders and chairs and toolboxes Mm -hmm. that are on Bray Wyatt's head. And the referee stops him and says, no, 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 don't do this. This isn't who you are. And Seth goes, yeah, you're right. Just kidding. And then goes and hits the pile of stuff. The armor that's protecting Bray Wyatt. He hits that armor and then the match is called off. Yeah, we had a no contest. A no contest in a Hell in a Cell Cell match. Oh, and it's it's the most damaging moment. It, it's I think something that I've watched live and in person. I think it's probably the most damaging thing I've seen because I'd say like you know the Nexus losing in 2010 is probably up there. I didn't watch that live. I I, I retroactively watched that after I got back into wrestling. But I think this watching it in the moment as soon as that bell rang, I was like, he's done. He, yeah, he's, he's done. And you're you're absolutely right in that it really like we've we talked about sort of like killing of momentum, you know, and like how like <laughs> yeah. the 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 killing of momentum for Kofi as soon as he won the title because it's like and now you're a mid carder. Yes, and then obviously then the you know the complete death of that when he lost to Lesnar, Becky losing her momentum when she apologized to McMahon's. This completely killed the Fiend's momentum. Yeah, because. I mean, in the lead up to Hell in a Cell, we were getting so many super chats, so many questions being like, what are they going to do with The Fiend? I can't wait to see what they're going to do with The Fiend. What's going to happen at Hell in a Cell? And we all said there's only one outcome that can Mm -hmm. happen, and that's Fiend winning. If that's not the outcome you have, then don't book the match. Yep. You booked yourself into this corner and then be like, well, we had no choice. Like You did have a choice. Yeah, don't book the match. Don't book the match. And it's, or just put the belt on him. Because what do they do a couple of weeks later? Put the belt on him. Put the belt on him. So why do the Hell in a Cell finish? And it's not tied into Seth's heel turn. No. You can, you can retroactively pretend that Seth's heel turns off and that, but it's not. His heel turn stems from Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. His heel turn ter- like stems from Raw losing at Survivor Series. It's got nothing to do with Hell in a Cell and all the stuff he was doing with The Fiend. 
it really, really hurt the fiend. And he has had to work really hard to get people back into the fiends. Credit to Bray Wyatt. He's managed He's it. done a good job of getting back on it when a lot of other wrestlers would have their careers ruined because of a moment like this. Ryback yeah, had I was gonna say, a very similar thing. It was incredible to watch this. And I was like, I cannot believe they Ryback this. Yeah. Like, years later, no lessons were learned. And they completely Rybacked it again. And um, I, I was almost stunned watching that show because mm-hmm. I watched it the morning after because me and Ollie were the ones doing the review. And I was like, I was just gobsmacked. And then the crowd <sighs> really booed this. Oh, Started yeah. booing the top baby face in the company in Seth Rollins because they effectively blamed him for the finish. It's not his fault, obviously. Nice, but the way that the match was structured, you boo Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, you suddenly have the fiend pop up like a monster who and attacks Seth Rollins and lays him out. And the crowd boo the fiend. Not for heel heat. They just booed everything that was going on because they're like, we've been we've been effed here. Yeah. We've been completely screwed. It was bad. It is easily the worst finish to any show in 2019. Mm-hmm. I'd say it might be one of the worst finishes of the decade. Yeah, totally. In terms of how hot a character was, Mm -hmm. man, it was bad. It was really bad. And like the crowd started chanting, restart the match. Yeah. Because Fiend's okay now. The Fiend's fine. The Fiend was always fine. He was playing possum. He was playing possum. So, like, why throw out the match? Yeah. And it, (laughs) sorry, it it really hurt Seth a lot after that as well. Totally. Seth, I mean, Seth had already started his not cool shtick being on Twitter, but this was worse because he's then started defending the finish on Twitter. <laughs> Sean Walkman, man, in the watch along. Oh, he oh. summed it up, didn't he? Yeah. How Some... could you have? I'm going to do a Sean Walkman impression. Yeah. Apparently, Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> a freaking DQ in a Hell in a Cell match because he didn't know it was no contest because that's, that's the other side of this. Well, it was so badly told, no one knew what the finish was. Exactly. And it was two years in a row we had a terrible finish to a Hell in a Cell match, which means you start to kill that stipulation as well. Mm-hmm. Bad, bad, bad. For me, quite easily, it's the worst moment of 2019. Yep. Got far and away. Right, well, let's go quickly go through some honorable mentions for this, because speaking of bad finishes, mm. uh, the WrestleMania 35 botched pin. Yeah, because... It was already a long show, so I think a lot of people were quite tired by the end of it anyways. But we got to what was the main event, which was the women's triple threat for both Raw and SmackDown Women's Championships. And Becky Lynch won. However, I think the way a lot of people envisioned that moment going was she tapped out one of them. She stands tall with both belts. She got a crucifix roll-up on Ronda, but her shoulders went off the mat on the one count. Way up. And then he, the ref continued counting, so it looked really odd and stupid, and then Becky won, even though she shouldn't have, but then everyone was kind of a bit confused afterwards. It didn't have the big crowning moment that we all wanted for Becky. It didn't really happen. Yeah, it was a real shame. Yeah. A, a real damp way to end. Uh, so sorry, a real damp way to start. Becky's runners, Becky two Becky belts. Two and, belts you know, yeah. To really say, like, you've won the first women's main event of WrestleMania. Mm. And it ends in this big, emphatic moment. Now it was a it was a roll up, yeah. You know, which, which is a bad a way to end off a pay per view anyway. You want that big Ronda tapping out moment to the mm-hmm. to the disarmor, really build and ramp the crowd up so they can explode. The crowd didn't explode because the finish was completely balked. And yeah, it's, it, and the, when you hear then the reasoning why is because well Ronda never tapped out in UFC. It's not real. <laughs> 
it's fake fighting. Like, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. She could be, like, she could summon a unicorn <laughs> to, like, trample over her. Why? Because it's wrestling. You can do whatever you want. There's an undead, like, mortician wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, if, just do what you want. In fairness, if she summoned a unicorn, I think that probably would have been a worse finish <laughs> than a botched pin. I'm sticking by it. <laughs> Um, we didn't want to do storylines, but we did have uh, Mike Nellis's first cuckolding like Spot. Se- segments. Yeah. yeah, we just thought it kind of like snowballed, and I mean it, the storyline got dropped with him and Maria. Mm. Um, but like you know, it led to all the Lana Lashley Rusev stuff because Paul opened Rain the floodgates. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It opened the floodgates because like, yeah. well, got to cuck someone. Yeah, exactly. Um, TLC main events. It's just uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. Really to uncomfortable watch. to watch. Yeah. I thought it, it really derailed all momentum. Kyrie Sane's injury early was not pleasant to watch. Yeah, it was just a a not nice moment to no. end the last pay-per-view of the decade. I think it also, I mean, we saw this a lot in the live chats during the show. Um, it, and actually in the, the, the sort of post-show that we did as well, where mm. the, the highlights and lowlights, there was a lot of people in there being like, oh, and this is why women shouldn't main event pay-per-views. Which is such an awful take, and yeah, not the take awful. you should, and not the takeaway from that match. No, like that's the last takeaway from that match. It's not even it shouldn't it shouldn't even be a takeaway, but it does lead people to be like, oh yeah, well this is why. Yeah, it's a real shame. And I really hope that the people that don't have that take are backstage creative <laughs> types well, in WWE because yeah, that would be awful. Um, speaking of uncomfortable, uh, Jim Cornette's NWA commentary gaffe. Yeah. No place for it in 2019. No. No place it's, for it ever, really. Uh, the reveal of the 24-7 title. Wasn't great, was it? No. Crowd, it's an ugly title. It's an ugly old belt, isn't it? Crowd, yeah. crowd, it didn't get off to the hottest of starts. No. And, yeah, quite quickly it was established that this is a joke title for jokes. And they, they very quickly gave up on it. Yeah. It had its moments in its early stages, I thought. There were a couple of bits where I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. That's about it. And lastly, for our honourable mentions, and this really did very nearly make our top ten, mm. because this was very ill-thought-out. It was uh, Cody bringing out Pharaoh during his entrance at All Out when there were lots of fireworks going off. It's not yeah. its not an unknown thing that dogs are afraid of fireworks. Like, it's not rocket science. Or firework science. Or firework <laughs> science, for that matter. Just don't bring a dog. No. Or if you're going to bring a dog, don't have any pyro. Yeah, I mean, and really, did the dog, like, did Pharaoh need to be there? Like, I know it's part of the Nightmare family, but I, I just, it was so ill-advised. Yeah, totally. It was a really, really poor decision. And, you know, Tony Khan said he goes, then they had to freak out because you've got Hangman Page doing his entrance on a horse later in the night. And then on Dynamite, only a few weeks ago, you had Jake Hager just yanking this goat out of from backstage, who clearly also didn't want to be there because he's afraid of all the noise. Yeah. Just dragging him by the throat. It's just not cool, man. No. Animal cruelty's not cool. That's it's not called animal, animal cruelty. <laughs> Hot take. Animal cruelty is not good. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 